you're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. Well, good morning, and welcome to our next episode in the book of Proverbs. And so we are, uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 18. We're going to be discussing the next in the series of abominations that the author of Proverbs lays out in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. So this is what the text says, Proverbs 6, 16 through 18. It says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. This morning we are going to be looking at an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Now when I read this, I said, what, what does that mean? So I had to go do a little bit of research and dig. And it basically means a heart that devised, a heart that devises wicked schemes. So I think what this does is it describes an individual who works to manipulate situations to their advantage. So rules and values are used when it's beneficial, but when those become inconvenient to the plan, they get tossed out the window and they get tossed aside. If they don't benefit the end, if they don't help us achieve the plan, then our rules and our values, they can just be discarded when necessary. This type of an individual, this type of scheming heart is always looking for an edge. It's always looking to gain an advantage over somebody else. So we look at our own hearts and we look at our own lives and say, well, that's, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. But I think for us as believers, I think when this can happen, I'm just trying to think through my own life. And I think that the, when this can happen is when you and I tend to get pushed in, into a corner. When we start looking for a way out of a difficult situation, when we feel trapped, when we feel trapped, we can start to scheme. We can start to look for an edge. We can start to look for an advantage. We can look for a way out of our current situation. So this morning, I want to use a story from Scripture to show us how you and I as believers can fall into the trap of having a heart that develops wicked schemes. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with it, we're, we're not going to take a ton of time to, uh, to walk through all of it. I'm, I'm going to show you two chapters from the book of 1 Samuel. And I'm going to give you the broad overview. All right, So I want you to do some Acts 17, 11 on your own. Right? Go search the scriptures and see if what I'm telling you is accurate. But I want you to go. So I'm not going to take time to read large chunks of scripture this morning. I'm going to give you the broad overview. All right, But take the time to go in and do the study on your own and see if what I'm telling you is accurate. But I want to look at David in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and chapter 21. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1, you can see that David is afraid. You can hear it in his voice. Let me pull up this verse real quick. It says, And David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and he came and said before Jonathan, listen to his questions, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeketh my life? David here is afraid. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in these questions. But David has been in trouble before. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David kills Goliath. He kills a Philistine champion. David was in trouble. And yet we see that David went out with the confidence of the Lord and he slew the giant. And he cut off his head. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul is jealous and he tried to kill David. 
How did David respond? Well, you go and read 1 Samuel 18 and over and over again in that text, it says, and David behaved himself wisely and the Lord was with him. Saul throws a javelin at him. David behaved himself wisely and the Lord was with him. Okay, so that's David's response to difficulty. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, David is a fugitive on the run, but he's protected by the Lord and he's protected by godly friends. So we come to 1 Samuel chapter 20, and David is a fugitive again, but things are different. Because you go and read through 1 Samuel chapter 20, and there is no mention of David communicating with the Lord. Instead, David starts to concoct his own plans, and he starts to concoct his own schemes. In fact, if you read through 1 Samuel chapter 20, the idea of, if this happens, then go and do this, occurs 10 times throughout the chapter. So David's saying, look, if this happens, then go and do this. And if this happens, then go and do this. And if this happens, then go and do this. What is David doing? He's scheming. He's trying to devise a plan. He is no longer seeking after. He is no longer consulting the Lord. He is working. He's working in his own mind and he's working in his own heart, trying to devise a plan to get himself out of a difficult situation. So what does David do as a result? Well, the first scheme that David does is David lies to Saul. And this is in 1 Samuel chapter 20. You can look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 6 and verse 28. David tells Saul that he's in Bethlehem. He sends message to Saul. Yes, David is in his hometown of Bethlehem. But David's not in Bethlehem. David's in a field. David's in a field. And he's hiding from Saul. And this lie that David tells to Saul has consequences. If you were to go read 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 30 through 34, Saul accuses his son Jonathan of lying to David, or of, of lying to him. And as a result, Saul takes a javelin and he throws it at his own son Jonathan and tries to pin him to the wall because he views Jonathan as a threat to the throne as somebody who's trying to undercut, uh, under, undercut Saul's reign. And so as a result of David's scheme in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it almost cost Jonathan, the crown prince of Israel, his life. But David doesn't stop there. David, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, develops another scheme. And in this scheme, David lies to the high priest Elimelech. David comes, he's fleeing from Saul, and he runs in and he seeks refuge in the city of Nob with Elimelech. And Elimelech is suspicious, and he asks David, why are you here all by yourself? And David tells him, oh, I'm on the king's business, and I had to come in a hurry, right? And he says, look, I don't have any food, I don't have any weapons, because I came very quickly, what can you give me? And Elimelech gives him bread, and he gives him the only weapon they have in the place is the sword of Goliath. And David says, oh, I'll take that, there's no other sword like it in all the land. And so David rides out of Nob, and he has bread, and he has a sword. We read that on the surface and say, well... Yes, David lied. And we do know that that's an abomination, right? The book of Proverbs tells us that. But we say, well, that's relatively, humanly speaking, that's relatively harmless. David lied to get food and he lied to get a sword. Well, there's a problem here. And the problem is, is that a man by the name of Doeg the Edomite was spying on David. And he reported back to Saul that David had gone to Nob. And that the priests at Nob had given him food and they had given him shelter. And Saul, what Saul does is Saul brings Doeg back to the city of Nob. And as a result of the priest there, as a result of David's lie and the priests helping David, they didn't know what they were doing, right? David had lied to them. He had disguised his true intentions. 
And as a result of David's lie, the priests in Nob are killed and their families are wiped out. You can read that account in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. So the consequences of David's lie was severe. It cost the lives of the priests and their family. Many innocent people died as a result of David's scheme. And not only that, the guilt was laid on David's head. In 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 22, it says, David is talking and he says, I have occasioned the death of all of the persons of thy father's house because of David's scheme. He was guilty of the death of all of these innocent individuals. But David doesn't stop there, right? Because you read in 1 Samuel 21 verses 10 through, 13, or 10 through 15, David lies again. And this time, David lies to King Achish. David jumps here. He jumps from the frying pan into the fire. David is running from Saul, and he lies to the priests at Nob. And then David goes to Israel's enemy, the Philistines. We're reminded of the verse that tells us that the fear of man bringeth a snare. And here, the schemes that David is devising lead him into a trap. Who, where is King Achish the king of? He's the king of Gath. Do you remember who was from Gath? Goliath. Goliath was from Gath. And David goes walking into Gath, fleeing from King Saul. He walks into Goliath's city. Not only that, but he's carrying Goliath's sword. And we look at this and we say, David, what are you thinking? Right? But this is the reality of a heart that devises wicked imaginations. When we scheme to our own ends, there is no benefit. The fear of man bringeth a snare. So David goes into Gath carrying the sword of Goliath. And not only that, but David is recognized in Gath as an Israelite war hero. I'm reminded of the, uh, I'm reminded of the saying, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And David here has tangled himself up in a web of his own lies and deceit. So what are the consequences of this lie? Well, first of all, it places David in immediate danger. So as a result, because he is recognized as the Israelite war hero that he is, he is forced to feign madness, right? His behavior becomes bizarre. He, he, begins, to, he begins to foam, not, not foam, but he begins to drool out of the sides of his mouth. And he's scratching at the door of the gate. And people look at him and go, he's gone insane, right? He's gone insane. David eventually escapes to the cave of Adullam, and he eventually writes Psalm 34 there. So man, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination. So think with me here for a second. What were the consequences of David's scheme? So scheme number one, David lies to Saul. David and Jonathan are forced to separate and Jonathan almost loses his life. Scheme number two, David lies to Elimelech. Many innocent lives are lost in the city of Nob because Saul puts it to the sword. And then scheme number three, David lies to King Achish. Well, David had a miserable testimony before a pagan king and an unsaved nation. So when we begin to scheme in our hearts and when we begin to devise plans in our hearts to get an edge, to gain an advantage, to work ourselves out of a difficult situation, you and I tend to tangle ourselves into a web of our own making. So the question then is, what is a better way? If scheming our way out doesn't work, if devising evil imaginations in our heart doesn't work, what should we do? Well, I go to Psalm chapter 34. This is the psalm that David wrote in the cave of Adullam after he escapes from Achish in, in the city of Gath. Let me just give you four thoughts here on based on Psalm 34. And again, I'm not going to take the time to read it. 
Uh, so go and read it on your own time, right? Go do some Acts 17, 11. But let me just give you four simple thoughts. David here, when he escapes from Gath and he's in the cave and he begins to evaluate his choices, um, he, he, he finally begins to come to his senses and he makes these observations. First of all, David acknowledges God's power. And I see this in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. He says very simply, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. So David says, I'm going to put my schemes aside and I'm going to recognize that I can't do this on my own, but God is powerful and I need your help. He says, my soul will boast in the Lord. But not only that, David also makes a plea for God's presence. And we see this in verses 4 through 7. David says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. David finally realized he couldn't do it on his own, and he cried out to the Lord for help. He says, you are powerful, but not only God are you powerful. He says, God, I need you. Come and help me. David also rests in God's provision. This is verses 8 through 11. He says, they that seek in the Lord shall not want any good thing. David says, I should have just trusted in the Lord. He provides for those who are his. He takes care of those who are his. Trust in him. And then finally, we see a trust in God's providence. This is verses 15 through 22. David says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And we know from scripture that where God sees, he acts. And so if God's eyes are upon the righteous, God isn't just observing the righteous. God is actively at work on their behalf. That's what providence is. So when David says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, that means that God sees who are God sees those who are his. And not only does God see them, but he is actively at work for their good. And so David trusts in the providence of God. To boil it down, I think that we could quote simply Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This, this, trusting in the Lord, acknowledging him, resting in his providence, pleading for his presence, acknowledging his power, this, this helps us fight against scheming in our own heart. This helps us to fight against relying on our own power and helps us to trust and rest in the providence of God. I read this quote and I wanted to share it with you. I have complete confidence that God is able to take care of of any situation and provide an answer to any question or problem. He has all the resources of the universe to draw upon in helping each one of us through any crisis if we will trust him. So this morning, you and I have a choice. Will we trust God? Or are we going to try to scheme our way out of difficulty? When difficult times come, and the book of James tells us that they will, are we going to rest in the providence of God? Are we going to acknowledge his power? Are we going to ask for his presence? Are we going to rest in his providence? Or are we going to have a heart that devises wicked schemes? Are we going to try to scheme our way out of it? Are we going to try to figure out the solution on our own? Are we going to be self-reliant? Are we going to rely on the Lord? Right? The choice is ours. The choice is ours. Well, I know that as I, as I was studying for this and thinking about it, this is challenging for me. This is challenging for my own heart. And I hope that this has been a blessing and an encouragement for you this morning. All right, I hope that you'll have a great day today. I hope that you'll walk in the Lord's power. I hope that you'll walk in the Lord's presence, walk in the Spirit. And, uh, and, I, and I just pray that you would have a wonderful day as we seek 
to engage together in fulfilling the great commission that God has given to us. So the Lord bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this episode was a help to you, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.